Hello and welcome to episodes five of Draft Offsides. I'm with Tico Nenzo. My name is Keith. Week one is in the books of the Premier League season. How are you guys feeling after that? Would have felt a lot better if fucking Tottenham won. Was, but yeah, not but not bad. It was actually I got to watch a lot of games at the weekend off, so got to watch a lot of games. Excited we get to finally talk about the sport and actually get to watch it at the end of every week. So that's very exciting. It's off to a great start. Can't wait until this coming week. More games, more action. So it should be fun. What were the big takeaways for you guys? Like big picture. What are you kind of what were you thinking? I'll start with Tottenham. What a fucking shit show. Jesus. I watched that game. It was just um, unpleasant to watch. Uh, just a setup in the middle. It was like a cluster mess. I know and you and I touched touch bases on this over the weekend. Uh, and to me, it was Sun not being uh, featured that often. And it felt like Sun was just kind of just an average player just going up and down, getting passes here and there. Madison looked amazing. Um, so that was my takeaway from that game. And Richarlison was just kind of up there walking around, not doing much. All right, just to touch on that, I, I completely agree. Um, I watched that game, obviously, and the first half was a shit show. As you said, there was a lot of the wingbacks were basically playing center midfield. So we had like five in the middle, plus Sun and Kulu trying to get involved, and it just wasn't working. We weren't getting Manitou on the ball. Um, and then obviously Ramos, being get um, Ramos Romero being hurt like real early even after scoring that goal that was a big one that hurt for if I'm gonna take any positives it looks better than last year and the year before that honestly it was more it was more interesting to watch we weren't just sitting back on the counter attack but yeah it doesn't look good honestly Richarlison didn't touch the ball some was in existence I my, my one thought there is like I felt like even if it didn't. It wasn't perfect. I think everyone knew it wasn't going to be perfect with Ange right off the rip, right? Like that's kind of been his DNA, or his his style is that sometimes takes a while to get used to. But the one thing I thought was at least there was like a sense of identity. Like you were saying, like the the wing backs were kind of underlapping and playing midfielder, like and playing the midfield. But like at least that's something. At least they were trying to like they had a system they were trying to implement. So I don't. Know, I think that was a positive takeaway from that situation. Um, anything else like kind of big? I think one thing for me is I always on the opening week I always look forward to like a big upset, like a big subversion of expectations in some capacity. And I was a little bit disappointed there wasn't like a big draw or a big big loss. And like I, the game today with United and um, United and Wolves, I, I I was like I started getting really excited like a third of that way, a quarter of the way through the game because I was like, holy shit, Wolves might be the team. This might be the upset of the week. But unlucky for them, they didn't. They weren't able to get that and they weren't able to get a penalty in the dying minutes any other any other things that were just really surprising for you guys any like big surprises surprising to me was that uh man city did not start Grealish, and they didn't even bring him in as a sub at least just to get 15 20 minutes i thought that was a big surprise when i saw the lineup you know with the starting lineup pep always t- uh, tinkers and he moves people around but usually he kind of brings them in and gives them some playing time. I was kind of surprised that he didn't get any playing time, to be honest. Yeah, you think that's uh, you think that's just a week one thing, and he'll be he'll probably start next week. I bet. What do you think? It's a pep thing. He's putting he's doing the same thing he always does his rotation. Don't get wrong, that pissed me off too. I had a couple of players in there in a couple of my leagues where I was like, they usually start. He even said they were good to go, like Vardy and they didn't start. So it's just pep doing pep things. Um, I was really surprised. Obviously, we talked about Newcastle being good, but just 
the extent of how good they were against Villa. That's pretty impressive. They were they were really good. I watched that game too. Um, I thought Villa got a little bit out of their momentum when Mings got hurt. He's going to be probably out for a little bit. It looks like he's got something done with his knee. He looked in pure agony. So that, yeah, but besides that, like Harvey Barnes, Isaac, freaking amazing, man. Look, they look really bloody good. They're relentless. They keep coming 90 minutes nonstop attacking. Uh, even though the scoreline was 5-1, to one, the game was closer than the 5-1, to one, I think it suggests. Um, especially when it was 2-1, it was still a good game. 3-1, it was still somewhat competitive. And then afterwards, just Aston Villa just gave it up. Um, but I Villa also played well. Just, you know, if someone looks at the score, they see 5-1, they're going to think, you know, it was just complete thrashing. But it was a close game for, what was it, the first half, 60 minutes is when it kind of... And I think that's kind of what Newcastle is going to be doing to people, just kind of attacking, keeping the high pace up the whole 90 minutes. And that's going to affect the opposition sooner or later. They're just going to tire out. I totally agree. I feel like we're all so eager to talk about the games. Should we just get straight into the recaps and just kind of start plowing, plowing through these things? Because I think they're gonna, it's going to take us some time to get through it all. Um, just kick off the week was uh, Burnley versus Man City. Burnley 0, Man City 3. Kind of touched on it. I think the big point of discussion that hasn't really been talked enough about is the KDB injury. De Bruyne went down in like the 25th minute. And it seemed like it was a similar injury to what he'd been dealing with for the last... You know, he was injured at the end of last season. He was playing through it. And I think it's that same hamstring that he just messed up again. Um, How worried are you guys for him? Worried for him for the season. It's, it's not exactly the best time to get injured. Is right at the beginning, but it is the best time because then you have time to recover. But our man City going to do the right thing and let him recover? Because honestly, I think they should have. If they were going to rest him, they should have rested him against fucking Burnley. They rested everybody else. You know what I mean? Um, is this like a big upgrade for Bernardo Silva? Is it, or do you think is there anyone else that really be- could be- benefit from from the KDB injury? Foden. Foden can be that that centerpiece where he can create a little bit more. Like we saw what he did in that game. He, he did a lot of running down the wing, but if you put him a little bit more central and let him cut in a little bit more, I think he can create. He can be that creator for him. I Also, Kovacic, because when they took up KDB, they put in Kovacic. So, again, he's not going to be getting a lot of assists, a lot of goals, but he's going to get the playing time. So, And, you know, they're going to get the clean sheet. So, I would... The where I had Kovacic ranked, obviously this elevates him at least until Kevin De Bruyne comes back. And like you mentioned, Keith, like this is something that has been hampering last year as well. And then they had, they had the World Cup. He wasn't, you know, himself playing in the World Cup as well. So something to definitely keep an eye out on uh, moving forward for the rest of the year. City feels thin now. Like I feel like they they're gonna have to sign somebody. I know there's been some discussion about Matoma, Elise. Was there someone at Paqueta or all three people that they're talking about signing? Mm-hmm. Um, I think they have to sign one of them, right? Just to fill that void. At KDB, with the way that he came off, the fact that it was an old injury, I'm, I'm like, that could be anywhere from a month to four months to, to longer. Like, I, I can't imagine he's back in next week, you know? They might have to sign a, t- a couple of them, honestly. I think Piquet would be the obvious choice to pick up. Um, at least I didn't hear about, but yeah, I think Piquet would be the obvious choice if they're going to pick up somebody. What do you guys think? It was Holland with two goals. Um, is he just unstoppable force? Don't get me wrong, it was against Burnley, but come on, man, he does it against everybody. So, and scoring within what the first like what five minutes, 
it's Harlan doing Harlan. What, what do we say? Harlan eats, and that's what he's gonna do. He's gonna keep. Honestly, it, it felt like if KDB was in played the whole game, he would have had more goals. Uh, a couple of times he was open, just people couldn't get, uh, pass the ball to him. And Holland even had a couple of nice passes too. I think it was Alvarez, uh, one inside the box. He shot it right at the goalkeeper. So Holland is just going to continue where he left off last year. And obviously him not going to the World Cup kept him fresh. Uh, so Holland eats and he's going to continue doing it. And I'm going to enjoy it, man. It's such a, it feels so much better when you have him on fantasy. <laughs> Are we all big dumb idiots? Because we just missed Rodri all, all off season. And then he's had, what, two assists and a goal or? In my defense, I told Enzo to draft him. He just ignored me. <laughs> no, man. He's just, look, there's going to be so many players in Man City that are going to be part of a game, and it, it won't be every game of the season. There's only a few that are going to be there every game. We know this already. There's so many talented players on that team that there's going to be someone who has to step up, and they'll step up. That's the thing about Man City. They have so much talent. But Rodri doing it every game? I don't think so. There's going to be games where he's going to have to sit back. He's going to have to play more uh, more deeper. I think so, too. I think that was like a little bit of a flash in the pan. Were you guys surprised to see Kyle Walker in the starting lineup as well? Um, I think once he signed that deal, he was pretty much going to be playing. I think it was that was kind of the only uncertainty. The one surprise was uh, Enzo's guy, Rico Lewis, who he called out preseason as to, he thought he was going to get some serious minutes. But he started. Um, that was pretty interesting. Again, is he going to start every game? I don't know. I thought he'd be more like rotation. So he still, I think, could have a good season. And if he can take the opportunities that are given to him, yeah, it'll be good. Yeah, and I guess kind of to continue our conversation about Grealish, like, man, he he fell to me in the third round of one of our leagues, which is so late. And I really didn't want to take him, but at that point I felt like I had to. But, man, I'm nervous after after that, after him not starting at all, not even coming on at any point. It's just like, what? I wonder what that's about. I think T- I was kind of rolling my eyes when T- at the beginning of the season when Tico was being like, oh, he's been drinking so much off season. But now I'm like, oh, maybe maybe there's something to it. Maybe he just needs to get a little fitness back. No. No? No, man. I know. He's a professional. And Pep, these are all professionals. They get ready for the game. That was just Tico just saying Tico things. He'll, he'll get in the lineup again. He will. It just gave me – it just it was just a little kernel of doubt in the back of my head, even though I, I know that. But it was a little kernel. I was like, oh, my God, is Tico right? Look, I, I say being, you know, just joking around, messing around, but there's actually a Twitter account called Drunk Grealish, and they follow it's They post them literally every day at different places, like sometimes multiple different bars in the same day. So I do think he, he will play himself into shape. He will be a regular Keith. I think it's just early season. You know, we like to overreact, underreact, because a player we drafted in the first, second round, they don't put up a good day, and we start panicking. But, you know, Grealish is someone – Eventually, he'll be crack the rotation on a regular basis and get at least you know his minutes. Okay, last last question before we move on to the next game. Is there anyone on Burnley that even remotely gave you any shred of interest after that game? I mean, we're assuming there'll be better days ahead. You can just say no, and we can move on. No, no. Okay, let's let's move on then. Arsenal two, Nottingham Forest one. We've got goals. From Owoni, and then he scored the 82nd just to keep it kind of nervy at the end. What do you guys think of this game? I watched this game too. I don't know why I woke up for it, but I did, and I watched it. Um, Arsenal looked good in the first half. Don't get me wrong; they actually looked good for a lot of the second half. But I don't know what, what happened. Something switched off, and Non and Forest were just pushing them on their back foot. Um, it got exciting at the end. So I did not watch the game. Did they, were they pushing them like? For the whole second half, it was just kind of like they got a goal and then it was nervy after that. 
around the 65th, maybe 68th minute, it just seemed that the tide started turning. I don't know what it was. I, c- I couldn't tell you. I was watching the game, but it just, I was, I'm not going to lie, I was wishing for Nottingham Forest to score the whole bloody time. But Saka's goal was amazing. What a frigging, what a goal. And Kaya, yeah, it, it was more about Martinelli. Yeah, that Martinelli yeah. assist. Huh? That's yeah. what that was about, really, because even his shot was, it was a deflection. It was a deflected shot, but do I see Nikaya doing that week in, week out? No. Do I see Saka doing that week in, week out? Yeah, I think again. Um, Odegaard was 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 okay, wasn't? I don't think he was the same player that I, I saw him last last season. Um, but a big one for that game is is Timber getting hurt. He's out for what four months now. So, so hold, just talk really quickly about Odegaard um, before we get into the defense. Are you worried with Kai Havertz in there and so screwing up what he does? Do you think he's getting in his way in some capacity or like taking some touches away from him? And that's what it is, in my opinion. I still don't understand where Kai Havertz was. I think Trossard should have started, honestly, because I think the chemistry is a lot better. And I hate to say that Sergei's right, but yeah, the chemistry is a lot better. Havertz just seemed lost um, sometimes in that midfield attacking role. Um, He was getting in the way. He wasn't spacing correctly. Um, But again, first game of the season... We'll see what happens. Maybe he'll find his his feet and maybe he'll help improve that side. But at the moment, I think he's better off coming off the bench. I watched the game after the the replay, and even the goal that uh, Niketia scored, he he should have laid that one off. He got lucky with the deflection there. It'd be interesting to see he starts uh, moving forward if, if or they kind of put your start or have it somewhere else, just shift the lineup because I don't think he's going to be uh, – he's he, he didn't look that great as a nine for me up there. The Martinelli, that assist was amazing. Not sure if he was trying to make the pass or not. And same thing with Odegaard. Yes, he did good, but he needs to be better than that for Arsenal to be successful. So it would be interesting to see it, uh, how he plays moving forward. But it's interesting to watch what you said, uh, Keith, with Havertz being in the lineup and taking touches away from him in the midfield. Because they're... They go as Odegaard and Saka goes, and you don't want Saka to get less touches. You want to maximize, maximize his role. With the timber injury that uh, Enzo mentioned, is are there any defenders that suddenly are are we interested in? Like, are we interested in, in party? Because it's just weird because he's not technically classified as a defender, so you're not getting clean sheet sheet points for him. But is there anyone else that like is? Because everyone else is pretty drafted in their back line. No, uh, Tommy Yasu came on. Zinchenko, Tierney's still in there, so they they have players to slow in. I'm just, a, but it. it doesn't put any confidence in them if they're putting Pai at right back. You know, what would I mean? you stream an Arsenal? Let, let's say like next game, Tommy Yasu comes in and you're kind of short a defender. Would you? Would you drop? Would you stri- drop a bench player and potentially stream Tommy Yasu? Do you think that's like a potentially a good play? Depends what players you got on your bench. Yeah, of course. But like, if you have shit players on your bench, yeah, you you pick up Tommy Yasu because he's probably gonna get a, a little bit more minutes. But honestly. Um, there's going to be a lot of changes, in my opinion, to a lot of people's teams this week because they're going to see they're either going to panic or they're going to see players that didn't play or didn't get any minutes and feel they have to pick up a star to actually get those points. And what do you think about the uh, the goal for Awoni? Was that? Do you think that's indicative of what they're going to do? I feel like he was he was. I remember him being very good at the end of last season. Like he kind of helped keep them up. Yeah. When he started playing, but he didn't. He didn't start the game. Do you think he starts the next one? Do you think Danilo comes out and they they play a one with? Uh, Gibbs White and Johnson playing tens behind them. No, I, don't, I think they go with the same thing. I've, they're one of the teams I got going down. So, all right, let's uh, let's keep moving then. Next game is Bournemouth one, West Ham one. 
there was a beautiful goal by Jared Bowen in the 51st. Mm-hmm. And um, it seems like after that, West Ham just kind of like went to a shell. Yeah, they were playing, they were playing for the win with the 1-0 win. Um, I watched uh, extended highlights. Um, honestly, they felt like they were missing a piece. They did just pick up James Ward-Prowse. So that might help them with a little bit more creativity in the midfield to create something for the forwards. But West Ham at the moment, I think they need a lot more. They're, I think they're going to be bottom half of the table this season. It's wild to me that both Antonio and Danny Ings like aren't being drafted, and like just think about how scarce strikers are. But like no one has any confidence in the West Ham strikers. Like like Antonio has scored a lot of goals in the Premier League. Danny Ings has scored a lot of goals in the Premier League, but just West Ham in general, just no one just is like wanting to touch that. Well, like I said, their their value might go up now that uh, Ward Prowse is in there because he can he can put him on a dime um, when he's having the top of his game. So we'll see. Totally. I think the other thing I really noticed in this game was um, the fullbacks for both teams. Like Emerson had a pretty solid game. He was getting up and down the pitch. That Kirk has on for Bournemouth was doing really well on the other side. Um, those might be guys to look at. And then, yeah, then other than that, I think just the James Ward Prowse thing is like the biggest talking point. This is what he's going to do. Kind of Enzo brought it up, but do you guys think he becomes a like top 20 player because when you look at where he, where he was drafted last year for a worse Southampton team he was going in like the second round so now that he's playing for West Ham do you think he should should he be I think he should be the number one waiver priority for everyone do you guys disagree um, I think it's also just the trust in West Ham like you said people are not, are not drafting him they sold players they haven't bought a lot of talent and I don't think they're going to I mean, I don't think any of us think they're going to be as successful as uh, they were last year. The person I will look at is their goalkeeper, Areola, just because I think he's going to be busy this year. He's going to have a lot of saves, but they're also going to lose a lot of games. So if they're playing, obviously, not the elite teams, that's someone I would probably play just because they are going to have shots on goal. They are, he's, he is going to have the saves. And that's the only one I would probably look at, especially if you don't have one of those goalkeepers that you plug in every week and you don't worry about. This is a goalkeeper that I would definitely look to pick up for matchups. No, you're going to pick up anyone off the waiver. Zaniolo just signed for Aston Villa. He's an exciting player. He'll be one to look at. I um, kind of holding on to the West Ham thing real quick. I initially felt like Paqueta going to City would be like a bad thing for Paqueta because he wouldn't get as many touches or whatever. But now, like just the way that West Ham is not looking super exciting, like him going to City, even if he doesn't play every game, it might just be better because he might actually be in point scoring positions way more frequently at that team. Because right now, the way he's playing, it's just I don't see them doing much. There's just so much reliance on Jared Bowen to do something magical. They subbed him off. They needed him on the pitch. All right, let's go to the next game. Brighton 4, Luton Town 1. Brighton's pretty good. I watched the game, man. It was They were fun to watch. They were very fun to watch. Brian, in, again, it was against Luton, though. It's against Luton. Don't get me wrong. And Dungeron Luton did score a goal, and it was it was a penalty and everything. But Brian just looked on it, man. Like Matoma, class. Evan Ferguson coming on, just putting the cherry on top. Excellent, man. They they look good. They look they were like gross. All the all the shit we were talking, well, shit that we were all talking about. Solly March and Gross, they fucking stepped up, man. They look they look good. But again, it's against Luton. Let's see how they do against the next team. I'm not sure who they're playing next. 
I think my biggest red flag for Brighton was the four goals, four different goal scorers, two subs scored, a lot of a lot of substitutions on the attacking line, and CISA we didn't even see. There's guys, you know, there's attacking players that were drafted relatively high that we didn't even get a like a look that didn't even get a look in this game. I'm almost worried that it's going to start turning into a city situation where these guys are going to be doing a lot of rotating, and then we're going to just be like it's we're going to be kind of having to balance like balance who's like who's playing. It's going to be a headache. But and like Enzo said, it's also against Luton Town, so you could just put out your B squad and give some of the players a rest, bring on new players, try different things out. I don't think this is going to be indicative of what lineups are going to use moving forward. Uh, but yeah, it was they're a fun team to watch. Definitely put out four goals. You know, they took care of business. Essentially, that's what they had to do. And uh, poor Luton Town, man. I think that's to be my team rooting for this year. You know what, though, I kind of disagree with you guys. I think I know it's Luton Town, but it's the first game of the season. I feel like they're going to put out what they think is their best team. I don't think you. I don't think you rest guys for game one. I think you want to put out your best team that you think is going to give you the best chance to win. I so think they I, put out their best team. Um, I know we talk about Danny Welbeck, and he's a veteran. He played. He played well. He created. He was strong. It was. He created chances. He made chances for himself. I just think they went with the veteran. Like Evan's still a young kid. Um, will he eventually take over? Eventually, though, if he keeps playing the way he's playing, he's strong. He's big. He's hungry. But well, Welbeck's a vet. Like he's been in the Premiership for a long bloody time. He's played for some top teams, and he'll, he he can get you goals. How long is eventually? Because Evan Ferguson looks so good. Like I was kind of a, I was uncertain about him coming into the season. I knew he was raw and good and young. You saw him. He hit the post on that one where he just turned and shot. Mm-hmm. He scored a really good goal. Just, just you know, just really strong running. Are you are you trying to make tra- a trade for him? You think? Are you trying to get him, acquire him in leagues? I want Evan Ferg. I'm pretty good in most of my league, but if I didn't have a striker that I think could score, and if he was coming off the bench, I'd probably go for him. Um, and when I say eventually, I mean if if Welbeck doesn't score in the next like five six games, and Evan Ferguson comes off the bench and scores, you got to start him. You got to start him, but we'll see. What Welbeck? Welbeck's a vet. He'll take his time, and he'll he'll, he'll eventually score. Um, any the only player on Luton Town that's worth probably talking about is uh, Morris, right? Colin Morris, yeah. Colin Morris. Um, well, no, it was it was the winger. He had the the crazy hair. Uh, uh not Chong. No, not Chong. He's a waste of uh, Kab- waste of Kabore. Kabore. That guy, that guy could be one to look at. He could make a few runs. He's putting in crosses. Um, he could be one you could look at. Yeah, but look, Morris taking the penalty is huge advantage. You know, he's going to get a couple of those, just like this game. So he's the main one, and then other people you could take a look at and see. Yeah, it's 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 almost a bummer that he scored from the points perspective because if he hadn't scored a goal this game, he would have been someone I would have said to target for trades, you know, because people – that goal kind of makes it seem like he scored better than he did, but he was getting a lot of touches. He was definitely the focal point up there. He's definitely, I think, their most important player. And everything that good is going to happen, it's going to go through them, go through him. So, someone to keep an eye on. Okay, next game, Everton 0, Fulham 1. <laughs> um, this game actually had the highest scoring player on fan tracks. Do you guys want to take a wild guess at who it was? Was it the keeper? It was. Bert Leno. High scoring, high scoring player. I think it was like something that he had like twenty eight points or something like that. Wow, 
Yeah, because he had to save like 15 shots because Everton just kept kicking at him. I actually thought Everton looked better than I thought they would. Oh, they looked flat. Every did to me. I think a striker fixes a lot of their flatness. I think if like Calvert Lewin can come in and be a focal point for them, I think a lot of that will be fixed. What what Cal what Calvert Lewin? Which one's going to show up? The healthy one. The healthy one. Okay, if the healthy one shows up, the one that got the call up to England and was banging in goals, what two years ago? Was it three years ago? Then yeah, I think that might sort out, but. I don't think so. They they look flat. That's another one. I think they got lucky last year not to get relegated. And I think they have to fight for survival again this year. Keith, what did you think of the uh, Raul Jimenez playing over Mitrovic and then being subbed off? You think that's going to be uh, moving forward? That's going to be the regular? Or you think Mitrovic takes the starting position eventually? I think Mitrovic takes the starting position sooner rather than later. I think, it's, I think that was kind of a statement to the fact that like, Mitrovic was causing such a stink about moving. But if Mitrovic stays, then that's like one of the pickups of the season, whoever whoever drafted him. But that being said, I also don't expect Mitrovic to have as good of a season, a good of a first half of the season that he did last year. Because last year, was like un, he was like unstoppable. I think it's going to take him some time. If he ends up staying, it's going to take him some time to mentally get back to that place. So... So we'll see there. I think that was shocking, though. I, was, I, I thought Mitrovic was... Done and dusted, not never playing for them again. He said that much himself. I also was shocked that uh, Williams started and played because the other rumor around that was that he was leaving. I, like, I don't even. I think he might have been dropped in our league or some, not drafted or. I don't think he was drafted, and he started. He played the first half, and I, I remember reading before uh, before the season started that he verbally agreed to leave to Saudi Arabia, but Fulham. But he also signed a contract uh, extension with Fulham, so it was kind of a. Shit show. So I was surprised to see him start. He played the 45 minutes. I, I I got him last year, and he was actually pretty good for me last year. If he does play, he is going to contribute. He's, he does have fantasy value. So that's something else to keep an eye out as well. 100%. I think especially if Mitrovic is back and the Williams pinging balls in to his head, I think that's definitely something to look for. And Jimenez didn't look horrible. Like he had a, he had, I mean, he was inches away from scoring a goal, and that would have been a huge storyline for him to come back. Leave Wolves, go to Fulham, get a goal. I mean, that would have been huge. I was kind of rooting for him. It was a little bit of a bummer that did, that didn't happen. Um, the other one is Adama Traore just signed for Fulham. I don't know where he fits if he's going to be starting, but uh, he's always one of the more interesting-looking players on the field because he looks like a freaking football player. So uh, I'll be keeping an eye on him and just see see what he does. I'm glad that he went to Fulham because at least we'll actually get some minutes. He's just another guy that runs up and down the field, got great athletic ability, but when he gets to the final third, doesn't know what the fuck to do with the ball. Has no idea. Yeah, that's kind of the general consensus. Both him and St. Maximum were very similar like that. Um, okay, next game. Sheffield United 0, Crystal Palace 1. Oh, man, do you think Crystal Palace is going to struggle to score goals without Elise, without Zaha... As they looked really good, Ayu does his thing, but he's also getting old, right? He must be in his. Mm-hmm. He's getting up there. Edward. Yeah, Ed, Edward. I thought that was actually a really good. He was a. He went really late in drafts, and he might be a steal where he was going in drafts. Not so much that he's. I think he's going to score fifteen plus, but I think even if he gets seven, eight, nine goals, and you're getting him in the eighth, ninth, tenth round, eleventh round, that's a great. That's a great come up, and he looks like the guy. Yeah, they had a lot of half chances. What I noticed, um, Crystal Palace, I think they're still trying to find 
what their style of play is without Zaha. Um, I think if they keep Elise Eze, I think they'll find their feet. I don't think they're um, going to be challenging for Europe or anything, but I do think they'll be well safe above the relegation zone. I think Edouard's going to take his chances, but like you said, I think he's going to get, what, maybe eight, maybe nine, ten goals max. And that's if he has like a couple braces in the season, but he's not going to score every game. Um, I don't think they're going to like not score, but they're going to struggle. Uh, Sheffield United, anyone interesting? Tico, you're, you seem to be the goal, goalie whisperer. Is, does that goalie interest you at all? Or are you staying away from him? It, it does, does not. No, uh, it does not interest me. But I, before we move on to Sheffield United, I wanted to kind of go back to Crystal Palace. I was looking at just the amount of points their players scored, and the lowest is 9.75, and they had three people who scored over 20 points, which is insane for the entire team to score essentially in double teams. Uh, double digits, and the the weirdest thing about that is in our league, only two of the players are owned that were drafted. Three, if you can, Dolise, so but it, who didn't play. So I don't know if people are going to attack uh, Crystal Palace and kind of pick up their players, but you see twenty three point sixteen twelve everything on the waiver wire. It's going to be interesting. That's that's surprising. Who are those three players, Tico? Yeah, Edward scored 23 points. Uh, his own by Kanto. Eze is by uh, Keith. He's on your team, 20 points. And that's it. Everyone else is a field. Who is the other one that scored over 20 points? Was it AU? Joakim Anderson, the uh, defender. 23 points. And he's a central back too. Oh, the defender. Wow. So here's my question. Was this indicative of Crystal Palace being good or Sheffield United being bad? Because like if their defense looks, or if their Joachim Anderson was scoring twenty plus points, is it was was Sheffield United sending in a lot of balls and forcing him to defend a lot? The jury's out for me on Crystal Palace. I don't think I don't think Sheffield United is the like litmus test. Is the litmus test that we really want? Yeah. No, they had no possession, man. I think Palace had like nearly seventy percent possession. Um, I think Palace had like over twenty shots on goal. Are they going to get that every every week? I don't think so. Not against not against good teams in the Premiership. Except from the Sheffield, they're another team I got going down. Um, they're not going to be able to hack it in the Premiership. I don't think they didn't they didn't improve. They didn't get any real good players. Anything solid. I don't think they were that good in the Championship. So we'll I think see. all three of the new teams are going down. That's my prediction. I think it's the first time in a while that I'll be three up, three down. Um, moving on, next game. This one was a freaking banger. Newcastle 5, Aston Villa 1. Kind of touched about it in the opening segment. But uh, I think we were talking a, not a lot of trash, but we were just saying be a little bit hesitant of Tonali. Just the big signing. We are like, watch it. You know, it's, you know, he doesn't play in a position where we thought he was going to score a lot of goals or get a lot of positions. I will say he was in a lot of scoring positions. Like he scored in the first five, seven minutes, and then all of a sudden – he showed up again one-on-one with the keeper like two minutes later, and he kept getting into the box. So I don't know if that's just something that – I didn't feel like he was doing that at uh, AC Milan that much. And I, Maybe it's just a change of a change of tactics. Maybe Eddie Howe just sees him playing high up the field, but I was a little shocked by that. Me too, man. But he played amazing. Amazing. I watched that game. Um, 
five one. I, I agree with Tico. It wasn't how the game actually really went, but they took their opportunities. And honestly, every single player that scored, even on Aston Villa, we we spoken about whether good or bad. So Tonali scored early. I think Isaac got a brace. Callum Wilson. I I think he's still viable as a pickup. So if he got picked up late, you actually got a gold one there. And Harvey Barnes. Even I know he came on late, but bloody hell, what a goal! And Musa Diaby for Aston Villa. Yeah, let's stay with Newcastle just for one minute. So Anthony Gordon was on. He got that amazing assist to Shinali. He looked decent. Then Harvey Barnes came on and just looked on a different level. I'm gonna. I'm curious to see what they do. I wonder if Gordon drops down into the midfield and then Harvey Barnes goes goes into those forward positions. They have so many pieces. They just have so many good pieces in that team. Oh, yeah. Um, Isaac looked great. He was on point. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Can't say enough good things about Isaac. Can't say enough good things. I've been saying it, man. He's going to have a great season this season. Again, Acevilla's not a bad side. They're a good side. Um, like I said, I think they got a little bit disrupted when, when Mings went down, and then Pau Torres came on. He didn't exactly have the best stocks. He just got slotted in, um, and I think they were already losing. I think they're already down one nil, maybe even two nil at that point. Um, so he had a lot of work to do. But um, Newcastle looked good, man. They they moved the ball around. It was smooth. They created a lot of chances, um, and they got a lot of chances on target. Perfectly honest, they were peppering that goal. They're going to overwhelm a lot of teams. It's nonstop attack. It's I I think they're going to have another year where most of their players that get minutes are going to be very uh, score a lot of points in fantasy. There, it's just like Keith mentioned, they have so much depth. You know, uh, Colin Wilson, Harvey Barnes. Uh, how are they going to manage the starting lineup? Is it going to be another Man City where they rotate, or is it just going to kind of be who's in, most informed? They're going to play them and just bring on the subs 68, 78 minute like they did game one. Uh, so. This was, for me, it was my favorite game. I thought it was the best game of the week. Very exciting. And the whole time I was watching it, I was just thinking about Enzo's prediction for Austin Villa, then finishing top four. <laughs> okay. Wait. Aston Villa, like, like we said, it wasn't that bad. Uh, possession was nearly 50-50. Um, I think Aston Villa had a shit ton of shots also. It wasn't like they, they just sat back and took in five goals. They just didn't finish their chances. They had 16 shots on goal, six on target. The difference there being with Newcastle, they had 17 shots, 13 on target. If you get more shots on target, which I think they can do, and they can make sure not that many go in the back of the bloody net, they'll still be a force, and I think they'll still be up there to, to fight for the Champions League spots. I think 100% better days ahead for Acevilla. I think everyone knows that they're going to have better games in the future. So Don't get defended. I said I was just thinking about you. That's it. Yeah, but you think about me in a negative way. And they just picked up Zaniolo, who's another great Italian center midfielder. So they just took what Newcastle did with Tonali, and now they got Zaniolo. Tika, how do you feel about your Douglas Luiz uh, pick? Are you, are you feeling, feeling a little less confident about that? <laughs> uh Let's move on to the next game. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, we haven't even talked about Villa. I just want to—I want to touch on the front too. I think it's almost like refreshing the way that that uh, Villa's playing with uh, Watkins and Diaby up there. Like that—that that goal was like a Watkins. Watkins kind of generated that and headed the ball to Diaby. I think it's—it's it's pretty fun to watch them do that. And John McGinn's running all over the place, running kind of in behind them. Douglas Luiz, you know, for all his thing, he's ping, ping along balls. I think there's a lot of uh, a lot of good things to look forward to for Villa. 
Honestly, I think they take out McGinn, putting Tillemans in next. When Tillemans came on, he looked good. Um, and have Diaby, Bailey, Tillemans, and Watkins in there. I think that's that's going to be more ferocious, man. Honestly. Um, and don't forget, they still got Philippe Coutinho on the bench. Completely forgot about that motherfucker. You know what I mean? I know he's done and dusted, but he can still pull something out his ass. We'll see. I think he might be past it. He might be on his way to uh, Saudi Arabia to play with his friend Neymar. <laughs> okay, next game. Brentford to Tottenham to. So I kind of the first note, I think Tottenham, as, as much as that's a – I mean, I think that's not an easy game for Tottenham, I, you know. But I think that they had an identity. Like they were trying to do stuff, and it's early, and I still think they can show that they can do stuff. I think there were some, definitely some red flags. Richarlson was a red flag for me. I appreciate you, Keith. I watched that game. There was there was no identity there. They they had like multiple personalities. They didn't know what to do. There was times where we were playing with a fucking back two. It was only Van der Ven and freaking Sanchez in the back, which was honestly Sanchez played a lot better than I thought it was. As soon as he came on, I thought we were gonna let in like five goals, because that's what usually happens. Um don't get it wrong, it was more exciting to watch. Um I Udogi played really great, really aggressive. Uh, Royale, still questionable, coming back to defend. Um, Matters, amazing. Son, inc- like, doesn't even exist. Richarlison doesn't even move. He's a bloody statue. And then Kuliseski didn't know what to do on that on that right-hand side. Um, he kept cutting in where I just wanted him to run down to the fucking byline and cross the fucking ball into the box. That's all I wanted. We had no one in the box. Everyone was in the bloody midfield. Um, I think we can still use that as a stepping stone. I sort of see what Andrew's doing, but I don't think the players are executing it to the way he wants it because there's way too many people in that midfield. Way too many people. There's no space. Uh, do you want to touch bases on your new goalkeeper? Oh, my God. He's horrendous. Cario? Yeah, if I'm going by that by, by that game, some of the stuff he did was very highly questionable, running out of nowhere. Um, he nearly gave away a penalty. I thought it was a penalty. Logo Ladio came flying out. Could have been a penalty. Yeah, it could have been a penalty. But seeing after today, I I don't even know anymore. I think goalkeeper was getting protected. I guess. What about are we on like red alert? I feel like we should be all be patting ourselves on the back for the Pedro Poro thing because we we were saying all yeah. preseason that he was a big red flag. Just that the way he played and how exposed he would look in a back four. Seems like Ange kind of figured that out too. He must be just as smart as we are. And he. Uh, <laughs> And he started playing at Emerson Royale, who I happened to draft in both our leagues as like my last pick because I had a feeling that he was going to be starting games. And he scored a goal. Yeah, he did. He did. And it was, a, it was a pretty bloody good goal too. Yeah. It was a really good goal. Um, yeah, should power about ourselves in the back. I don't, think, I don't think Poro fits into what he wants because I know Royale's bad at defending, but Poro's even worse. So I think you made a good call in there. I think, um, I think the... If they can get Richarlison and Son into the game, and it, I don't know, maybe that takes Son playing higher up next to Richarlison, or maybe you know, maybe I don't know what what that solution is. I think Tottenham is going to be fine. So let's go. Let's talk about Brentford. Um, couple of performers and Bembo Wissable and Wissable scored. Um, was there anyone on the team that you were kind of excited about? Um, anyone stand out? Like. Not really. Besides Rico Henry, Rico Henry stood out. He was playing really well on that left-hand side. Um, they were playing at back five, honestly, so that's why it was so hard to get anything through. But Rico Henry, Henry played really well on the left. Besides Wiso and, and Wembo, and they were the ones causing a lot of havoc with alongside uh, Henry, but 
besides that, they had like, especially the second half, they had no possession. None. They were just sitting back. I'm curious to see without Ivan Tony if they can really do what they did last year. Like, I think that, I think he, like, a lot of his goals looked really simple, but I think he did a lot off the ball and just even getting those positions. I think it's going to be hard for them to really replicate that, that form or that style without him because I don't think Mbembo and Wissa do the same things. I think they were both better off playing in and around Evan Tony than they are like playing together. So yeah, Damsgaard played well when he came off the bench. Um, he's another one, but nothing really stand out. I know they scored two goals, but one was, in my opinion, was an own goal. Van Aven got his foot in the way. I think uh, Vicari actually had that one. Um, but yeah, I don't think they do it week in, week out. I don't know if Akari had that one. <laughs> no, Keith, he had it. I watched okay, the replay. Okay. He had that one. Not to like add fuel to the fire, but if I was a Tottenham fan, I'd be upset because Tottenham did enough to win that game. And, you know, you give up a penalty and then just a deflection. Brentford, they just parked the bus. I don't think anyone stood out just because they were just playing super defensive and uh, Tottenham was essentially just driving into their wall. It's just the defenders, the back five, back three, back five, however you want to uh, frame it or phrase it. They did a good job of stopping them, but no one that stood out that I think is going to make an impact, um, at least until you know they get their full squad back. All right, let's keep moving. Chelsea won, Liverpool won. That was another, I thought, pretty interesting game from a tactical standpoint. Um, what did you guys think? It was a fun game to watch, man. Um, it was definitely a midfield battle. I think Nicholas Jackson was very aggressive. It was it was very upbeat. I think that he's exciting to watch. I think both teams were unlucky to have a goal disallowed on both sides. Um, they were very close, very close. Um, I think they're both missing that same piece, which is the defensive midfielder, which now Chelsea are going to hoard with Leva and Sacedo. So... <laughs> Casado's confirmed Lavia is still TBD. Man, he, he, he straight up, everyone's telling Liverpool they didn't want to go. I don't get it. Do they not know who Liverpool is? They don't, I don't. I just don't think they want to go to the city of Liverpool. I think if it's the option between going to London and Liverpool, I think it's... Yeah, okay. N- Nicholas Jackson looked amazing. Um, Enzo Fernandez did the dirty work. Honestly, um, Keith, you being a Chelsea fan, I feel so much excitement for the year. I know both of us think they're going to finish top six. Thiago Silva, just the ageless wonder. He was amazing. Reese James, uh, they, he picked up an injury, so we'll see how that is. I mean, uh, I know they said it's nothing serious. He was fatigued. That's why they took him off, but he was kind of limping off. But Jackson, uh, Nicholas Jackson, what a great pickup ends, and you got him pretty late. The guy just doesn't give up. He's a workhorse. He uh, creates chances. Didn't, you know, uh, didn't put one behind the net. Didn't finish. Uh, but He's going to score goals for you guys. He's going to score a lot of goals, and especially when Nkuko comes back, make things easier. And uh, Mudrik, actually, I liked when he came on. Uh, he, he's a player I was high on last year, too. I thought he's going to make an impact. Um, I think he'll be cutting into Sterling's minutes moving forward, just getting on earlier in, earlier in the game. But um, I'm a fan of him. I think he'll make an impact this year. So that's someone else to keep an eye on. Uh, yeah, definitely. I think the biggest thing with Mudrick is just consistency. So he'll do something amazing every little bit, but it's just not like every time he touches the ball. He needs to like get his game to a point where it's every single time he's touching the ball, he's driving, he's creating. And I think right now he kind of disappears. I'd be remiss not to talk about Ben Chilwell too. He was getting very advanced. He was very high up the field. He's someone that like, you know, he had an assist, he had a decent game, but 
if you could trade for him, you could try and get him on your team. I think that's someone that yeah, I would really target. Um, on the Liverpool side, Mo Salah with that gr- beautiful ball for that Luis Diaz assist. Unbelievable. Interesting that he got subbed off and how pissed he was about it. Well, there were still goals in that game, man. It was 1-1. He got, what, 70th minute? There were still goals in that game. Like, why would you pull off Salah? Who are they replacing with? They replaced him with uh, Harvey Elliott. Harvey Elliott. But honestly, I'd be pissed off too. You're you're one of the best players on the team. Um, you're one of the ones that scores. You usually score every game, uh, the first game of every season. Um, Granny had one taken away from him, but be a, honestly, be a fucking professional though. You know what I mean? Just just get off the fucking pitch. But I understand where he's angry. That's how I feel. No, I, you should be angry. Anytime you're a star player, you get subbed up. You should be upset. You should never be happy getting off, especially when it's a tie game or you're losing. But you're also you're you're a veteran of the team. You're one of the team leaders. You're supposed to set an example, especially for like a 19 year old kid coming on for you. You're you know ripping off your tape, throwing it on the floor. You know not shaking clubs hand on the way out. Uh, but I I thought it was very interesting that he was the one who got subbed off um, in the front line. Um, I would have. I mean, you want to play him the whole. If you want to win, you want you want to keep him in there to increase the chances. And if I drafted him in the first round, that's something I would, you know, keep an eye out for. And is that something you're worried, worried about or you're you're comfortable with Salah? You, you, you think this was like a one-time incident? I'm, I'm comfortable with Salah. Salah played well that game. Um, he got subbed off, yeah, but that was a choice by the manager. And it's not going to happen every game. He's going to play a lot of minutes. I mean, the whole front line got subbed off. Like, Salah, Jota, and Diaz got subbed off. I thought it was really interesting to see Cody Gakpo in the midfield. I did not like that one bit. I, as, as someone who drafted him in the second round, I was just, that's not where I want him playing. Um, so hopefully that whoever they sign for their third midfielder will then push Jota onto the bench and Gakpo can go into that forward position or else I might be in some trouble this year. I just want to go back to Chelsea real quick. Do you think, because they played that back three, when they get when Sosedo slots into that team, do you think they still play wing backs? Because I think it was great that they played Colwell and um, who was the other centre back with them? Diasi. Diasi with Thiago in the back because it actually worked fantastic for for Thiago. It made him look even better because he had those two kids on this either side of him. But then you had Chilwell and James going up and down that wing. Do you still play that back three or do you go back to a back four? You know, it's so funny because all preseason they played a back four. Like, they didn't they didn't go to a back three at any point during preseason. So it was kind of shocking to see them pull this out for this game. Um, I've heard in the past that Tiago Silva is just a little too old to be playing in a back two against the best teams. You know, he's just a little too old, a little too slow. He needs some young guys around him. So that might have been part of the reason. It might have been just the opposition. It might have been just because it's Liverpool. But I think another big thing about it is that, like, you want to get your best players on the ball. And, like, Ben Chilwell and Reese James are two of our best players. So playing a wingback system is going to allow them to get way more on the ball. So I don't know. So so then where does Sosedo fit? Does he take Gallagher's role? Because Gallagher played well also. Chuck Wameka probably comes out. Maybe Gallagher plays a little bit more advanced. And Casado slots in there. Maybe Enzo plays in that a little more advanced role. I think losing in Kunku just really screws us up so much. Next week will be interesting to see if there's any changes. No, the way the – way- Chilwell and James played. Um, I think you just need them on the field as much as you can, and you want them to give more flexibility to go up and down the corners. Yeah, the crosses they were making, especially James, his his crossbow looks so pretty. It just kind of like floats in there, goes on the spot. Um, so I would give them the most flexibility as you can, and just go have them go up and down and just 
roam the field as much as they can and uh, just have a back three. Put a, like you said, Enzo Fernandez could play up and down wherever and just tinker around in the midfield just to give them the free space. The way that Reese James strikes a ball is like erotic. He just hits it so well. It it reminds me of with the way Steph Curry shows. Just the trajectory of it is a little different than everyone else. Um, Diossi scored the goal for Chelsea. It was kind of like a little opportunistic goal, but um, I thought he played fairly well. Like he really accounted for himself well. He's not going to be on anyone's team. He's going to be a pickup if you're looking for someone. And Chelsea has a really good run of games coming up. So he might be someone worth picking up off waivers. Not so much for the goal, but just so much because they're going to have some pretty easy games in the next few weeks. And so he might have a good run of clean sheets. Um, moving on to the next game. The game that happened today, Man United 1, Wolverhampton Wanderers 0. Um, man, disappointing from United. I think that's the only thing you can say. I don't, and like Wolves did a lot to make it hard, but United didn't do enough. Well, they did enough. They scored, but I agree with you. Wolves looked actually, after all the players they've lost, they look really good. Like Cunha was amazing. Neto, I think if you're talking about players that weren't drafted, a lot of those players weren't bloody drafted and they're sitting on the waiver wire right now. And if anyone's smart, I know I'm one of them, I went to go pick up a couple of those players just to see if I can fit them into my team for players that didn't get started this at the first game of the season because they're going to play every bloody minute. Looks like Cunha's a free agent in at least one of our leagues. I think he's going to be, there's going to be a lot of people scrambling for him. Um, Garnacho looked really bad to me. Did you guys feel that way? I, I like. I don't think he starts next week. I think Sa- Sancho came on and looked better in eight minutes that he had than Garnacho did for the whole sixty-eight minutes that he was in. Garnacho was fucking pissing me off, and I'm not even a Man United fan. He was playing like a Martinelli from two years ago, just running with the ball down, putting his head down, running into space, and running into players and not passing the ball. Like he, was, he wanted the ball at his feet all the time when he should have given it up to Rashford. That whole time, perfectly honest. You're a winger. You're not that kind of winger. You're not Ronaldo. Pass the ball off to Rashford to one of your scores. I didn't get a chance to watch the game, and I didn't get a chance to watch the highlights, but I was very curious the whole day to get your assessment of Mason Mount. He did a few He did a few things that really endeared with the crowd, like the running hard, like kind of using his body, tackling. But from an attacking standpoint, he was a ghost, right? And so you're laughing over there. Do you think that's... <laughs> Because he was, it was shit. He did his. We we spoke highly of him when he got traded, and we thought, oh, he's gonna fit well in the Man United. And then we were preseason games. We saw there was little glimpses, but I don't know why he's staying corners. I don't know what he's doing. He he doesn't know what he's doing in that Man United. He was getting in the way of Bruno. Bruno needs to take the corners. I'm sorry, he needs to take the corners. Not just corners. I just feel like positionally. I think he was getting away positionally, Bruno, a little bit too. Like, like. I don't know what they're going to do there. I, I don't know if that if just Mount needs to just be a little bit further back and let Bruno kind of be in that role or what it is. But it was, yeah, it did not look correct. Like, and I think Mount, we're, I think they're still struggling. It's funny that these two Chelsea guys were both bought and then were put in positions that they haven't normally played and they both struggle in those positions. It's kind of a funny thing that's happening right now. Yeah, I don't think I think he should have been playing in the same sort of position that we thought he was going to play, which was more of a clean up in midfield. Like Casemiro does defend him, but then you give him the ball and he can spread it out to the wings because he wasn't really doing that. He was trying to go up the middle, and then once he got onto the the wings, it just didn't seem right. Agreed. I think Rashford cut a really frustrated figure as a striker. He um 
I think he, if anyone's excited for Holland to come in, it's Rashford. Because that means Rashford can go on left. That means that he can run on the balls. He has someone to play off. I don't. I did not get the sense that he enjoyed playing striker. No, even some of their substitutes didn't make sense to me. Like McTominay coming on for freaking Rashford. And he. it seemed like you thought he was coming on to play more defensive midfield to try and make sure they weren't going to score that late goal. But it looked like he was playing up front at times. Um they had they brought in that new kid Palestri um, for Anthony. I think Anthony had a decent game. Did he have a great game? I don't think so. But honestly, there wasn't really any highlights. Any Man United for me, what I expect from players from Man United. There was no highlights for me. Yeah, it got pretty chaotic in the end of that game. You know what do they call it? Squeaky bum time. It was pretty. Uh, it's pretty. Squeaky bum time. It was just pretty chaotic. Like we were saying, McTominay like playing striker essentially. It was just weird. The whole thing just looked. Weird and chaotic and a little bit desperate by the end. Um, speaking of desperate, Onana um, had some pretty good little moments throughout the game, but then at the end, he just fully slammed into two dudes that had already headed the ball. I mean, that, that was shocking to me that that wasn't given as a penalty. That's like anywhere else in the field, if someone goes into another player like that after they've passed the ball, that's an instant foul. And like you were saying earlier, goalies get some sort of protection, but that, that to me was like beyond the pale. Even for, even for a goalie, I thought that was bad. I have a feeling if that's if if United's down one zero against the Wolves and the Wolves keeper does that to freaking you know Martinez, I think that's a penalty. I think that's there was a little bit of like top six bias, top six bias there. It felt like to me. Yeah, don't get me wrong. Nana had a good game. Well, he had five saves. Um, he did pretty well until that last. Literally, and I tell and I say this about goalkeepers. Goalkeepers are great until they make that one bad decision in a game. And that was a bad decision. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, his eyes on the ball, but he was never going to get there. Never going to get there. And he just, he clamored two players. I think it was a striker and a center back. He got lucky. Dead. I think the other person just to call out is uh, Bruno is cl- clearly the guy in this team. And we've known that for a few years. But like, even with Mount kind of getting in his way, like it doesn't reflect as well on the, like, on the fantasy point sheet. But like he created that goal. He set, looped that really nice ball over the top to Wan-Bissaka to then hit into um, Veron. So he's definitely the guy there. I thought Juan Misaka was another guy I drafted because I just did not have faith in Dello. Because if you look at last year, Dello wasn't starting games by the end of the season. Juan Misaka had won that role. And I think people just automatically go for Dello because he's a little bit more offensive. But if, you can be as offensive as you want if you're not getting games in. So I think uh, I think Juan Misaka is one to look at and maybe one to kind of... He's probably not on any waivers, but he's definitely one to keep an eye on for, you know, if he, you know, today is, he was has scored a ton of points, but in, I think next week or in the next few weeks, he might be trade worthy. Yeah. There's a few. Tico, can you look up who were the top scorers for uh, Wolves? Because I know there's three of them. I think it was Nunez, Neto, and there was one more. I think they were like top scorers. Dawson. Dawson got 12, uh, 12 points. Cunha had like seven and seven and a half points. It was it wasn't huge, but I think he what he was doing, which is running with the ball, was just so impressive. So, as I'm looking this up, we actually it's kind of, I find I found I find this interesting. From all the whole, we'll see. We only have one player that was drafted, and their uh, goalkeeper, uh, Jose Sa, and everyone else is available. So, Keith, you mentioned you know people should be running to their waiver wire. They have some quality players there. They literally have could pick anyone they want with the exception of, of the keeper. I would be looking at Neto. 
I, I think the way he does on the ball, the way he, he really looks to whip a ball in, really looks to get advanced. Cunha also, but I think Cunha is going to be, I think anyone that watched that game is going to be going for Cunha. But I think Pedro Neto is definitely worth looking into. So if there's any players to pick up for the wave wires, I'm not going to lie to you. I think it should be Wolves. Uh, look at a few Wolves players there. So you had Nunes, Neto, Cunha, even Huang Hee Chan, when he came on, he looked really good. So these are players to look out for because like we just said in our, in our draft, and I think in our other draft, none of them really got picked up. So have a good look. Some good pickups right there. Perfect transition. That was the last game of the week. So now we can start looking ahead and thinking about waivers. Um, Before, the three big signings, and I, Enzo, you had another one to talk about, was James Ward-Prowse, Jack Harrison going to Everton, and then Adama Troy to Fulham. We kind of touched on James Ward-Prowse and, and Adama Troy, but Jack Harrison to Everton, I think that's a pretty, I think that's worthy of a pickup. I think someone, he should be on teams. Yeah, he scored a lot of points on fantasy last season. He was one of Leeds' best players. Um, I think Leeds were just unfortunate. They the run was on the wall at the end of the season, but they have some good players that, that should be coming up. Yeah, and he's you know he's classified as a mid, but he gets up and down the field a lot. I think he's uh, I think he's someone you should be looking at. I still, I mean, do you guys disagree? I think James Ward Prowse should be the number one target for waivers. Do you guys disagree? Is there anyone that you really feel like shouldn't should go ahead of him that you draft ahead of him? All things being equal, like if you know if, if your team was if not worrying about team construction, I just think from like the standpoint of. I think Zaniolo's another one that could fight for that number one spot, just knowing what kind of player he is, how he was at Roma, how he how he played well at Galatasaray. Um, I think Zaniolo's a re- he's more. I think like he's more effective attacking. James Will Prowse sits deep. Um, he's good with set pieces and whatnot. But is he going to get set pieces at West Ham? Who takes the set pieces at West Ham? He's going to for sure get set pieces. There's just no way. He's so he's like one of the best strikers of the ball in the Premier League. Yeah, but did he really score that many free kicks though? I think he's more. Yes. Did he, he scored lots of free kicks? He scored it, like. I've, yes, look it up. I'm looking it up. So while he's looking it up, for me, I would look at Kyle Walker. Um, he, uh, he's starting. He's getting minutes. Especially for my team, especially I need a defender. So that's someone I'm going to look at. Uh, and we spoke about Halan. You know, he's going to get the crosses in there, um, and he'll probably be more involved in the attack as well with KDB out. So that's one player I would uh, look at. Uh, I know he usually gets drafted uh, this year with all the uncertainty of him possibly moving. That's why I feel like he he's available. But that's one player I would look along with uh, Pedro Nader, like we mentioned. Uh, do you guys have a strategy? Do you guys have a strategy as far as after week one? Because you know there's a lot of overreaction, underreaction, depending on the players you pick up if they do well or someone on the wa- waiver wire. Do you guys tr- like making moves after the first week or do you guys like staying steady for like a couple of weeks and then kind of going into the waiver wire? I like to make a few adjustments for sure. I think it's there's sometimes you just get something really wrong during your draft and you just you just know right away. Like I think, you know, but like that and that's not being like overly dramatic. Like if I, if I drafted a guy in the first five or six rounds, I'm probably keeping him for a few weeks just because there's I have so much draft capital invested in him. But like you know, some of those guys in later rounds, like I had, I, I had a few really wonky picks later in the draft, and I'm definitely going to be looking to make a few adjustments. But I'm not overreacting for sure. 
No, there's always like one, at least one, if not two players on your team where you, you pick them up just in case. But then there's those players that obviously got overseen during a draft and you want to try to pick them up. Because honestly, let's be honest, you want to capitalize on every player, even if they don't play for your team, because you don't want anyone else to have them. You know what I mean? And going back to James Ward-Prowse, um, he had nine goals last season. Not all those were free kicks. He had 10 goals a season before that, which is pretty good. But again, not all those were free kicks. He's not going to get you that many. He's not David Beckham, is he? I think he's, the, from a free kick perspective, he's probably the closest thing to David Beckham since David Beckham. The amount, he, he hit like... James fucking Madison. I mean, how many what free are you kicks on about? I mean, how many free kicks do you realistically score in a season? James Madison is the example you brought up. Yes. Yes, he is. So David Beckham till now, that's the example you brought just, up. Are you just saying that James Ward-Prowse is the closest thing to David Beckham? I think I said in regards to free kicks. Yeah. Yeah. No. I would, I would stand by that, so. Okay, cool. So. Should we, should we, make, should we make another bet? I think we need to make another bet. Madden will score more free kick goals than James Ward-Prowse. Okay, let's check on that. Easy. That's the easiest bet I've ever made. Take no, take money. Off. Free money. Um, it's on the podcast. I don't need to take notes. <laughs> it's on record. Um, oh, I'm sorry. I made a little a little error um, earlier when I said that Bert Leno was the highest scoring player. Actually, that was eclipsed by no uh, Erwan Basaka, 29 fantasy points. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. I still think you drafted terrible, Kyle. I don't care. <laughs> Yeah, our we have the guy in our league who won it last year. We all felt like he had a terrible draft, and he somehow scored the most points this week. And we are going to deal with that by watching him lose next week, and then we can just move on and never talk about it again. You know, during the draft, I was joking around that he should pick up Rafael Varane because that's the only defender it seems like he didn't have. If he got Varane, he would have got an extra twenty-one point. Oh my god! Oh my god! I don't want to talk about it. Okay, guys, players that are on waivers. Who are you who are you looking to pick up? We already kind of, we talked about the guys that are getting brought in. You know the James Ward Prowse, the Jack Harrison, Adama Troy. I think they all should be getting picked up. But people who are who went undrafted, who should be getting picked up? We well, we spoke about Wolves players. Spoke about Wolves players. Um, I kind of talked about Diassi from Chelsea. I think just the schedule wise, they're gonna have a few easy games. Um, Awoni, Nottingham Forest might be worth a flyer. I mean, he just needs to start, though. Jeffrey Schlupp from Crystal Palace, if he's starting games, another potential potential guy I'm very interested in. And this is not me being biased, but Basuma, I didn't expect him to play that well. I think Basuma's another one. I think he got like 8.5, 9 points from playing in that terrible game against Brentford. So He got 12 points, but... I think it was more of a fluke. I don't think he's going to be producing points, fantasy. Uh, I don't think he's going to give a lot of fantasy value. Uh, I like the way he played. Bissouma was amazing on the ball. He he wouldn't give up possession. I just don't see him making those key passes, assists, or goals that kind of gives you fantasy points for him to bring value. I know this first week he did put up double-digit points, but I would don't think that's going to be consistent moving forward. Um I mentioned Kyle Walker, and then obviously the uh, you mentioned Distasi, and then and, uh, Pedro Nato. Those are the two I'm looking at. And ob- right now in our league, Harry Maguire, we joke about it, but he might actually bring 
be viable option for um uh, uh for West Ham. And then anytime he plays against Man U, you know he's good for a goal. He he scored so many own goals against them. He's he's used to scoring on them. So he's very familiar with scoring on Man U. So that's one to, uh, to look at as well. All right. And then I guess looking ahead to next week, games are going to start on Friday. Um, I'm trying to look right. I'm looking right now. I'm trying to see if there's anything super worth, super interesting. It looks like the best game is that there's two really good games. There's that Tottenham versus United, Tottenham versus Man United, which I think is going to be a really fun game. And then Manchester City versus Newcastle United. I think that might be, that'll be a really good litmus test for Newcastle United. After such a good game last week, are they, are they re- like, if they can put up a good fight against City, I think they're officially like, that wasn't a flash in the pan they made top four. And we need to start taking it really seriously. How do you guys feel? Yeah, well, I think that's going to be, like, we're going to see their credentials and if they can actually s- step up. Um, that's going to be a good game. It's a game I'm going to want to watch. It's 12 p.m. too, so it's a pretty good game. Um, I'm upset to see that the Luton and Burnley game got postponed. I'm assuming it's because their stadium was shit. <laughs> because the stadium was out already. It's an amazing stadium, man. I will not let them talk shit about uh, their stadium. You get fish uh, and chips outside the stadium as you walk in. It's like an entrance. Uh, a game I'm a game I'm looking forward to. Brian Wolves. I think after this week and watching how they played, I think that's going to be a good game to watch. I was just going to mention. Do you does that temper your desire to pick up some Wolves players? Knowing they're playing Brighton next week. Maybe some of the defenders. Are you less, are you less inclined to pick up one of the defenders? Now? Not the defenders. I'd probably go for attackers because if you go by the way both Brighton and Wolves play, they play very very attacking football. So there's that's going to be some goals in there. There's some points in there. Totally. I think this is a get right game for Aston Villa against Everton. I think that'll be that'll be a good one to watch. I think that's where we'll really see what they can do. I've got two London derbies, man. Two London derbies already, man. You've got West Ham and Chelsea. You got Arsenal and Crystal Palace. They're going to be good to watch too. Um, always, Derby's always tough games. So I expect Chelsea to smash on West Ham, but I think Crystal Palace and Arsenal will be a little bit more interesting. I think that's going to be an interesting game too, just to see if Arsenal kind of gets everything in motion and if they could play the full 90 minutes and not give up like the last 20, 30 minutes, take their foot off the gas. Essentially, kind of that game sums up what happened to them last year. And um, Arsenal just, they need to come out and you know win this game make statements that last 15 20 minutes had to worry you as an arsenal fan especially that being not in the forest or a bomb off table team they really should have won that game convincingly and i'm not saying it should have been like 3141 i'm saying even 2-1 can still look convincing and that last 15 20 minutes was not convincing it could have been 1-0 and you could have you know if it's a 1-0 game it seems close but sometimes they dominate the ball so much you know the other team has no chance so the scoreline is not something you look at when you watch the game you're like nah this is not a team that could dominate the EPL and win it all they need to get their stuff their shit together so to say i mean some mental frailty from the team that blew like a 8 point lead going into the last few games of the season isn't that shocking to me i think they that's the youth in the team they need to they need to kind of fix that, though. I think they're going to place, they're going to face tougher opponents that are going to push them harder than um, than Forrest did. And the only saving grace for Tottenham against May United is that we're playing at home because May United, the, the the stadium of dreams, is just a uh, a fortress right now. I think so. the saving grace. I think the saving grace for Tottenham is that Man United looked bad, and I think that when you look at last year, Man United started really bad last year too. So I think the saving grace is maybe it just takes Ten Hag a little bit of time to get things worked out. I mean, that's what it's looking like after, you know, 
the opening opening of two seasons for him is neither neither time have they looked very good. It seems like you want to get Man United early on uh, because it seems like they pick up steam as they go and he gets his lineups, he gets a tenner, gets his shit together. And you also want to play them before the future uh, Golden Boot winner gets back into the lineup. All right, all right. I think we can uh, wrap up the episode after that comment. Nothing, nothing yeah. good is coming. Nothing good is coming after that. Wait, how do you guys feel about Harry Kane being the curse and not Tottenham? Because he went to buy. <laughs> I, you know, he I'm went to buy. He it. went to buy Munich, and I, I know he wasn't on the pitch. But who scored the hat trick? Omo, Danny Omo. Yeah. What a hat trick! I can't believe we almost did the entire podcast without like talking about Harry Kane and me. I was literally when I heard about that, I was just having visions of that Taylor Swift song. Like it's me, it's me, I'm the problem, it's me. This thing like that was just cycling through Harry Kane's head, probably. <laughs> you see, he's already found his new favorite Korean best friend in Kim Min Jae. I just realized Bayern Munich have got some ridiculous center backs, man. Kim Min Jae, uh, they got Pavard who plays right back or center back. Like they got good center backs, but they're leaking goals like a freaking faucet. We're we're not we're not analyzing their team. Uh, I want this is not trolling, not making fun. Like, how did you feel? Did you want them to win a trophy, or were you happy that they lost? I'm, I'm not gonna lie, I was expecting them to win a trophy, but I saw pleasantly happily that he didn't straight away because I didn't want to see all those fucking memes. <laughs> yeah. I think that's a valid. Uh, you still see him, but now it's you know Tottenham. You know, <laughs> now the, the, the onus has been put, put, pointed towards Kane and not on Tottenham. Yeah. I get it. He's one of our own. Does, did they play their they play their first game tomorrow? Sounds about right. I also thought it was funny how you were shitting on Onana, saying he's gonna you know um, make mistakes and which are gonna lead to goals to them. But you essentially have another version of Onana for Tottenham. <laughs> so enjoy that for look, the next. Look, Grimey, he had a he, he had a lot of saves, and honestly, he, I'm not gonna lie, he played well, but. I'm still being proven right with that last fucking thing he did at the end of the game. Could have cost his team. I totally agree with you, Enzo. I totally, I think that was like exactly what we were talking about. And like, yeah, I didn't, didn't reflect in points on game one, but I think that's the type of uh, behavior that is going to be problematic <laughs> moving forward. Mm-hmm. Oh, they play on Friday against Verba Bremen. So we'll see if he scores a goal. I'd hate it. If, I'd hate it if he scores less than 10 at Bayern Munich. I'd hate it completely. There's no way. He literally could like he could like he could chop up one of his arms and he'd score at least ten goals on that team. We'll see. Alrighty guys. That concludes episode five of Draft Off Sides. I'm with Tico Nenza. My name is Keith and uh thanks for listening. <laughs>